This is it, guys. It's the last episode. Gutsy Media Podcast officially ends right now. But before we go, um, enjoy this last episode. Me and Alec discussed Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. He was my first guest. He's my last guest. 43 episodes, 45 recorded. Uh, we had two that we never released. Um, actually, they're from season one. They just had you know, really bad audio early on in the podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody for downloading and supporting. I really appreciate it. This was a fun little hobby. It lasted um, as long as I wanted it to. And I got to explore some really awesome movies and really get outside my comfort zone and discuss them with some, some great people, some great friends. Um, I like how the show evolved throughout the years. And who knows, uh, maybe I'll get bored enough to do it again. Um, some of my favorite movies, uh, season one, I really like Murder the Murder Crows. You guys know that. That was you know, one of my early picks. First episode we ever did, actually. Um, Sisters Brothers uh, was a surprising, um, pretty decent movie. Wind River was pretty good. Uh, season two, um, 1917 is amazing. Um, Asphalt Jungle was, was pretty cool to watch. Predestination has become one of my favorite movies of all time now. Um, so that... That was kind of cool to have seen that on the podcast. And then obviously, um, season three was just full of amazing hits um, because of the challenge we put out. Um, again, guys, thanks for letting me do this. And without further ado, on with the show. Get that out of the way. Get that out of the way. Um, I, I am very excited to have in front of me uh, a good friend of mine, first guest ever on the podcast, last guest ever on the podcast, Alec Weck. What's your up, buddy? first, your last, your everything. <laughs> I love, a, I love, a, I love a bookend. To me, it's such a complete, like it, we, it's a thing. Right? We're both, we're both. I mean, we're both movie buffs. You know, I, I couldn't think of a better person to do this episode with that was available. Um, <laughs> and I, I think. You know, having having you on as the first and last guest, I think it's great. And uh, by the way, kudos. Is it is it bad that I only know that quote from Money Talks and not from the actual song? What quote? Your first, your last, your everything? Yeah. It's from a um, song. It's in Money Talks? Yeah. He quotes it as a as a toast. As oh, a, you're as, right. As oh, a mother-in-law yeah. looks at him and is like, oh, you fuck. That's hilarious. Great you're movie. Right. I, Underrated movie. No appropriately rated <laughs> who who would have thought that charlie sheen was would, would have played like a normal person in that movie like a very straightforward normal he's a reporter isn't he yeah he is he's, he, he's a tv it's he's funny in that regard actors are known like for portraying characters that are not themselves right he never plays a crazy he never really plays a crazy role right just a, just he, in real life he never plays anybody with AIDS. Like it's, it's. I forgot he has AIDS. Oh, it sucks. Ironically enough, the guy in this movie who played, I'm about to, I'm about to drop it. This movie, by the way, that we're talking about, um, which we'll get into why or yeah, why this movie was picked uh, in a second. But this movie is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, um, and the guy who plays Marcus Brody in this m- movie actually found out he had aids just prior to the filming so good segue there bringing up the aids good for you i'm shocked 
I, I thought he had like Alzheimer's. He has he had AIDS. He had AIDS. Like the actual actor, he found out he had AIDS uh, just prior to the uh, to the filming of this movie. I haven't talked about AIDS in about a week or so, and for the fact <laughs> that we somehow bring together these two AIDS full moments, circle. It's full circle, full circle, remarkable. So yeah, you picked uh, 1989's action adventure film Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, starring Harrison Ford. Uh, from Star Wars and The Fugitive, Sean Connery from The Untouchables and The Hunt for Red October, and Allison Duty, Allison <laughs> yes, yes. Duty, uh, yeah. who actually was in a few of the Walking Dead episodes and Major League Two. That was when you, like give kudos to the female lead. When you become an actor, you can create your name you, you can make one well, here's the thing that's actually the one she made up her real name is way worse <laughs> have you ever seen down periscope which by the way is a movie that is right up your freaking alley i love love i knew love, it i knew it i love it there's a great line where he's like it's like oh, yeah, what's your name like nitro he's like oh that's a cool nickname he's like that's my real name i'm, I'm working on a nickname <laughs> like, steve how about steve <laughs> Anyway, we're not here to talk about those films. We're here to talk about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So let's get right into it. As I ask every guest, and it's not going to change for the last episode, Alec, why this movie? Well, I think that, you know, as you and I were talking about it, uh, this being the last episode, you know, doing something that kind of represents the end. uh, You know, we kind of did a little bit of research and said, hey, what are some movies that kind of end a franchise, end an era? And so this movie, I think, while there are movies after it. We're going to forget about The Crystal, and I think they're making another one where Harrison Ford can go there. One, yeah. Whatever. Um, I think Which is think insane, because he's like 80 years old now. He does not give a shit about acting anymore. Have you seen it? Like, his movies today, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's just fucking on camera. But anyway, I think that this is like just the perfect movie to kind of end a trilogy. You had three seasons, a trilogy of seasons, if you will, for the, uh, for the podcast, and I think that's just a great way to end it. And it's a great movie. We didn't pick a shitty movie. This is like an actual. Oh, this is of one of the movie. best. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. I don't know if you knew this or not. I mean, we've been friends for a long time. I'm sure I probably brought it up at some point. But uh, my my two biggest um, uh, influences, I guess, as characters was Sherlock Holmes and Indiana Jones. Uh, I think the two of them, you know, would have made a great duo of some kind if they were in a film or a novel together. Or I think so many characters have been based off of these two or inspired by these two. Um, And arguably, The Last Crusade is, in my opinion, the best of the three Indiana Jones movies. And I say three because Crystal Skull is not an Indiana Jones movie. I mean, we can call it an Indiana Jones movie, and by technical terms, I guess it's part of, um, the the uh, the franchise, if you will, but it was a it was a tag on at the end during a time when Hollywood was just getting money hungry and trying to revamp every single thing. They thought it would be a passing of the torch that would allow them to continue the franchise on, and little did they know uh, Shia LaBeouf was going to lose his mind. So uh, they're going to try to do a, f- a fifth one. Um, I believe it's already filmed. At, who knows when it's going to come out? Who knows if it's going to be any good? I mean, I have arguments as to why Spielberg. Um, shouldn't be involved at this point, but we'll get into that in a second. Let's go through the baseball uh, stats, if you will. Released May 24th, 1989, the movie's 187 minutes, or approximately two hours and seven minutes, which is good. I'm fine with right around two hours. 
even if you can if you can get into the two and 20 minutes maybe you gotta you gotta hook me because it's it's a little too long and anything shorter than i think like an hour and a half and I, I, you can't even consider it a movie I, there was that one that uh, dana carvey did the turtle one the, the master of disguise is that what it was called yeah it was like 64 minutes like you can't <laughs> even call this a movie guy um anyway the budget for the film 48 million box office 474 million this movie does almost 10 times its budget which is insane i mean listeners of the podcast will know that our general rule of thumb is if it does double its budget it's considered a success so 10 times um just goes to show you how amazed the studio was that that was going to happen screenplay written by jeffrey boom b-o-a-m he did lethal weapon um, the Leaf Weapon films. He also did The Lost Boys and Funny Farm. You ever seen Funny Farm? Um, no. Who's Great in that? Great Chevy Chase movie. Ah. Oh. He plays. It's 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 perfect for him. He plays a writer who decides to move with his wife up to the country so that he can write this great novel, and he moves to this local like farm town, and he's this city guy in the, in the, in the hillbilly farm. It's great. It's a very good movie. I strongly recommend uh, phenomenal, if you will story by George Lucas, um, obviously star Wars fame and Menno maze who wrote the color purple and empire of the sun. Um, very, very serious films. So um, this one, you know, not as serious as those directed by obviously Steven Spielberg. So let's get into it. He did, um, a lot of great movies in the 80s. Spielberg is the quintessential director, right? I mean, we've all got a favorite Spielberg film. But my question to you is, is Steven Spielberg still relevant today? Yeah. Um, well, I think his films are still relevant today. We are still talking about Indiana Jones and the last, we're still talking about Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and, and you know, the countless Saving Private Ryan. And 100%. Um, has he made a great movie in the last 10 years? You know, off the top of my head, I don't think so, right? Well, I don't... Alec, lucky for you, we don't have to go off the top of our head with latest technology. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. His last series of movies in order. West Side Story just came out. Flop. Huge bomb. Huge bomb. Before that, Ready Player One. Not bad. We actually covered it in the podcast with Lauren. Lauren swears by it. I was entertained by that movie. I will say that. I was entertained by that movie. No, I love that movie. I'm all I'm all love it. I think it's a great mix of pop culture and technology and a good good story. It shows off a little bit, but I think it's a lot of fun. Okay, so let me ask you this. It, it, as movies go for the last 10 years, would you put that in the top 100? No. Okay. I don't so, think so. Again, no. not bad. Before that, The Post. No. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking the same thing I am, which is what the hell is The Post? Um, the BFG, before that. No, that, that was a terrible movie. Yeah. Before that, Bridges of Spies, bomb. Before that, Lincoln bomb before that war horse bomb and that brings us all the way back to 2011 i will say that i liked lincoln daniel day lewis 
Send your day. Uh, I will understand that. So I, I watched most of it. Um, I will understand that argument, but the facts are it did not do well in theaters. It was not, it was not, a you know, it won a ton of awards for great acting, but ultimately that didn't equate to ticket sales. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think maybe it seems as though the type of films he's made to have changed right over time. So, I mean, the film here's my argument for that is the film industry as a whole has changed. I mean, listen, we we both have copies of like the greatest 500 greatest a thousand movies. You you go through that. You're going to find multiple Steven Spielberg movies. He is there's no there's no question his influence on the film industry. The problem is, is that that industry has evolved and he's been part of it for so long that he's gone from one era to another. And I think the era he's in now is just not his strong suit. Yeah, I agree. So with that being said, uh, film is produced by Robert Watts. He does episode five and six. He did all the Indiana Jones movies, and he also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is another great film. The film is distributed by Paramount Pictures. Um, I don't know about you. I had to get the Paramount Plus app to watch this for free. Seven day trial canceled right afterwards. Gotcha. We did the same fucking thing. (laughs) Absolutely. You're not getting my $9.99 a month or whatever the hell it is. When we pick this movie, first thing I do, Prime, shit. Netflix, shit. (laughs) I have the Xfinity app, shit. Nothing's on there. Where where the fuck is this thing at? Paramount, seven day? Perfect. I think that's what everybody does nowadays. And the best part is, is I love how these companies have clung to the whole, you know, login with your email address. Like you realize email addresses are free, right? I can get like a thousand of them right now, but regardless, the film is based on, uh, again, written by George Lucas and it's based on matinee movies that he used to uh, go see. So these are movies in the 1930s. Um, If you guys can remember back then TVs were not a popular thing. So when movie movies came out, they weren't always, full-length feature films that we think of now. Um, A lot of them were were, were series. They were called serials. So matinee serials were these, like, monthly, you know, 20-minute TV shows, if you would, that would come to the matinee, and, uh, you know, they're a huge hit amongst kids. George Lucas loved them, and he used those characters as the inspiration for Indiana Jones. Tagline for the film, have the adventure of your life keeping up with the Joneses. And my favorite... The man with the hat is back, and this time he's bringing his dad. Those are all shitty taglines. <laughs> too, too too cliche-ish. So lame. I mean, this is this is 1989. This is the set of the cliche, right? Like this uh, is the development no, of it. It's ugly. I love it. I love that he's bringing his dad. So that's the concept, right? Indiana Jones, the guy you know and love from the first two films. What if his dad was along for the ride? And do you think this movie works if it's not Sean Connery? No, I don't. Um, I I do know that they had a few other actors in mind, but this role and Indy's dad was specifically tailored to Sean Connery because uh, Spielberg always had fun with the idea that uh, 007, you know, Sean Connery played 007 uh, in, in the early films there, you know, being Indiana's dad, you know, there's, there's this kind of connection there of, of star power. Um, and I think that he plays the perfect role that is kind of aloof. You know, he's along for the ride, but he's also kind of involved and, you know, he's courageous at the right time. I think he's the perfect casting for it. 
Yeah, he plays this sort of character that you feel is very intelligent. At no point do I think he's a buffoon, you know, like like Marcus Brody's almost put out to be. Um, but it, even though he's full of this intelligence, you, he's still the fish out of water. You know, like he's still not in his element, doesn't really know what to do. Uh, I love when him and Indy first come face to face. And within seconds, Indy's telling him, I found the tomb, you know, and he's like, was the plate that like, he just know like, it, let's cut with the pleasantries and let's get right to what's important, which is this, this chase that we're on. You know, there's an earlier scene that kind of, I think, represents what you're describing, right? So uh, very early in the movie, Indy is in uh, his university kind of talking to the class, you know, and he says, you know, 90% of archaeology is done in the library, right? That's where you study. That's where you learn things. And X never marks the spot. And I feel like the Sean Connery character lives within that 90% of archaeology, right? Indy's the 10% that's out there in the field making shit happen. Um, and then obviously, you know, we see a little bit of foreshadowing there with the X marking the spot when they uh, go into the tombs in Venice. So I think right. that's a really kind of scene, you know, very under the radar, but I think it's a big play to the relationship there. Yeah, I mean, so I want to get your I want to get your take on a couple other changes that that may or may not have uh, been in, in play when the m- film was created. So the first one is uh, due to his commitment to the movie, Spielberg had to drop out of directing two other films. So I want to get your take on how you think these films would have turned out had Spielberg been the director. Ooh, film I love this. Film number one is big. Tom Hanks. You know, he makes the wish on the in the carnival game and, and becomes a full adult overnight. I'm happy he passed. I think that Big is a fine movie as it is. I think it probably would have been better because you can tell that almost has a Spielberg feel. Oh, to the kind of movie, yeah. Right? So I don't know how much better he could have made Big. Mm-hmm. I think Big was fine on its own. Uh, and, you know, obviously if he goes and does that. He's not doing indie. And then Indy's quality proper, probably suffers a little bit. So happy with that pass. Yeah. With So my love for these films, the Indiana Jones films, I don't want to see Spielberg do anything that's going to take him away from, from this. But with that being said, yeah, I mean, I could see Big being kind of Spielberg-esque. You know, it's I don't think it loses much. I think it's a slightly different film, but not, you know, not immensely different. Um, and honestly, I like Big, but it's just an okay movie to me. So making it better isn't, isn't a negative. The second one, though, is Rain Man. Hmm. Um, I think that would be a drastically different feel and look. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, it would be interesting because the Tom Cruise portrayal of the, you know, obnoxious brother, you know, kind of the, you know, the eviler of the two, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I, that doesn't seem Spielberg at all. You, you don't see that in his movies. That right. kind of, I don't want to say he's a villain, but like he, it's a very natural portrayal of the situation potentially, right? And I think he probably would have tailored that. that movie would have been very different. Um, and honestly, I don't think it would have been as good because I think it would have he would have watered down Tom Cruise if Tom Cruise had been yeah. even cast. And uh, and the, the feel and look of that changes. So I, I'm not a fan. I'm happy yeah. the way things turned out. You didn't say anything wrong in my book, man. I think uh, Spielberg has a tendency of focusing on like the redeeming qualities of some of the other characters. Nobody in his film is like truly 100% bad. Um, 
And I, I, I agree with you. I think that there would have been a softer side to Tom Cruise's character, again, if he had even been cast. So so next is the character named Fedora in the credits, played by Richard Young. He's the guy that gives Indy the Fedora hat. Uh, in the original script, he was going to be more of a mentor figure. He's actually mentioned in some of the other films. What do you think about that having, you know, they were going to remove, it wasn't going to be a Sean Connery father. It was going to be this guy is more of a mentor. I think the script is drastically different. I like the mystique of a chance encounter having a profound impact on a young person's life. And I think that's what you get with Fedora God. I like how that plays out perfectly. I think that if you insert him into the script, you're obviously probably not doing Indy's dad. You can't right. have kind of two mentors, right? Um, and Fedora is the cool bad guy. Right? I mean, in a very, like, as a young man, you see this dude doing something that you want to do, right? He's out there, you know, doing archaeological stuff. Um, and game recognizes game. Like, hey, you know, I guess, but I think, hey, hey, nice try, bud. You almost had us. Take my hat as a consolation prize, and I'll see you when you get Like, that's kind of the whole feel. Like, I'll see you when you get a little bit older, right? And so it kind of gives him something to, to look up to. I'm, I'm happy there's no mentoring going on. I don't want Indy to have mentoring. He's a free spirit. Yeah. He's rough. We don't need that. We don't need a mentoring kind of uh, character I, in our story. I love everything about the opening scenes that we get. I love the young um, indie played by River Phoenix, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a, in a second. Um, but I also love the you know immediate cut to him as an adult trying to chase after that that same artifact and like now now he's older and he's you know more about himself and and how that kind of set him off on his path. I I love everything about that. Um, the backstory we get. So, like you had mentioned earlier, Spielberg was really hyped on getting somebody from the Bond films, specifically somebody who played James Bond, to be Indy's father. So the backups, obviously, to uh, Sean Connery were Gregory Peck and John Pertwee. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, um, but Gregory Peck, obviously, you know, well-known James Bond. Ford and Connery declined the roles of Alan Grant and John Hammond, respectfully, in Jurassic Park. So what are your thoughts on that? Wow. Um, I'm glad Connery didn't do the John Hammond, who is the old man that's kind of the, the right. founder of Jurassic Park, right? Uh, I think it would have been too much. Just a he's little too, bit too, he's too rough for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I could see, I could see um, Ford as Alan Grant. 100%. I mean, it's really the same character. Like, there's really, yeah. it's a guy that loves dinosaurs. It's a guy that loves archaeological. He wants to be out there amongst the history. Um, but again, you know, these movies, it's so weird, right? These iconic roles are just so tough to envision someone else portraying because Alan Grant, uh, you know, the character that, the person that did him, just did it so well, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I can't imagine. Harrison Ford being in that role. And uh, the last one I got for you is actually apparently Sean Connery was offered a role in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in 2008. Now, at that point, he had retired from acting and he declined to come out of retirement to reprise Henry Jones Sr. Um, but that would have been a very interesting take on, on the, the number four movie that shall not be named. Is he still married to Catherine Zeta-Jones? No, Michael Douglas. Who is That's who Michael is Douglas. Is Sean Connery, he's an abuser, right? What's his story? Like, Sean just... Connery sadly passed away um, a couple years ago. But yes, there were stories that 
he did an interview with Barbara Walters where he made a comment that basically it was okay to hit your wife if she gets out of line. I love I love bashing a dude that's six feet under. Like <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic because he also enjoys bashing apparently. That's true. <laughs> um Yeah. Which it it sucks because honestly, I like this is one of those yeah, obviously if he was hitting his wife, it's not okay, and he should not have been hitting his wife. With that being said, does that take away um, any of the superior quality films that he put out? Does that make him a, a worse actor? I, oh, I mean, are you trying to get me canceled right now? I can't. Not, <laughs> this is cancel culture, bro. I can't. What, I, what I'm saying is, I think it's an individual's opinion as to whether or not the moral crime that they have committed. Um, prevents them from enjoying the product the person puts out prime example i am not a fan of chris brown because of the incident i wasn't a fan of his music before that but even now when he comes on i I don't really prefer to listen to him so to me his crime was more severe than the shitty product he was putting out now sean connery much higher product (laughs) (laughs) much higher product level there's got to be some give and take there right yeah, absolutely. So, like, domestic, like, for Sean Connery, domestic abuse, okay. Vehicular homicide, and that might be the bridge. That, that some sort might of be the crime scale. that puts him over, right, yeah. Right, 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 no, I, I think agree. it's got to be part of the court proceedings. That's, that's the threshold for you. you court proceedings is... I, well, yeah, I mean, if you're convicted, that's different than being um, accused. We're innocent to proving guilty in this country. Wow, you you are you know you're a liberal when it comes. You love your movies. You're willing to. I'm willing to, is he found guilty? Okay, then I'm watching this fucking movie right now. I don't give a shit. Okay, hey, do uh, you? Do you? All I'm saying is that there was significant reduction in quality on uh, House of Cards when certain members of the oh, cast. Man. Um. So the la- the last things on the sports card I want to read off is <laughs> the rating of the film is PG-13 for sexual content, violence, alcohol, and smoking, and uh, the awards. It only wins one award, uh, the Academy Award for Best Sound Effects, but it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Sound. It was nominated for the Golden Globes for Best Supporting Actor for Sean Connery. And my favorite, it was nominated for the Grammy Awards for Best Album of original instrumental background score written for a motion picture or television, which that's a pretty, that's a pretty severe category. Like you've got to go down a significant wormhole to get to the best album of original instrumental background score written for a motion picture. You don't fuck with John Williams. (laughs) I'm being serious. John Williams is the man. He's the beast. Absolutely. I'm I'm more making fun of the category. It's crazy. No, that is true. That is the JV of uh, (laughs) of awards for sure. So, I mean, do you remember the first time you watched this film? No, definitely not. Were you an Indiana Jones fan growing up? I remember loving this movie at at, I mean at an early age, and I mean I've this is a movie I have certainly seen. Probably 50 times. Like, you just throw the. Yeah. It used to be on TNT and TBS, right? I mean, always DVDs on TV. You know, I mean, it. 
it's a great movie, and I certainly remember watching it from a young age. Amelia and I, my daughter, were watching it uh, earlier uh, in the week, and she was like, Dad, I've already seen this movie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> You're I'm like, welcome. yeah, yeah. Just, we'll, yeah, we're watching this shit. That's what we do. It's a great film. I mean, so it starts off, Harrison Ford um, is Indiana Jones. He's played by River Phoenix as a young child. He has this encounter. I mean, it's kind of cliche at this point, but he encounters. It's the explanation of the scar on his chin, the explanation of why he likes the whip, the fedora, you know, the archaeology. But you also get a take out of his father. He comes home in an excitement to tell his father about how he thwarted some criminals. And his father is focused on something, distracted, and makes him, you know, count to 10 in Latin or Greek, Greek. And then, uh, Kind of doesn't even notice him leaving the room, you know, when the, when the police show up. And then we find out that he, he has an obsession. Sean Connery has an obsession with the Holy Grail, which as a, as a religious buff, you know to be... Go ahead. A cup. <laughs> <laughs> it is the, uh, the cup that Jesus drank with at the Last Supper, which also supposedly caught some of his blood during the crucifixion why yeah, why the ahead. cup went from from the dinner table to the crucifixion i'm not really sure maybe it was like a merchandising thing dfat comics is the publishing branch of don't forget a towel.com the only place to travel geekly Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. I think you only had one cup, so you just like carried it with you. So I think it's more of a canteen. Like That's what it should have been. You have the canteen with you. You use the canteen, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, can we just a little bit of a coincidence? Same, same cup. Can we just. Yeah, it's definitely a coincidence. Here's the thing, though: has Indiana, any of the Indiana Jones movies really been about the item? I mean, the Ark of the Covenant was the first one, right? The second one it was. I don't even remember what the second one was. He, he they go to India, and right. this is. There's no religious artifact situation. No, there is. There's an artifact that's stole, stolen from the local village, and that's why Indy goes to try to get it back. But I don't remember what the artifact was. It was just like a like a glowing okay. ball or something. It's not a Christian artifact. It doesn't right. It's a false deity, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's why it's not important. It's not It's not Catholic, so it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> so the third one, they go for the Holy Grail. I mean, why not, right? You literally, it's a, it's a stereotypical, like, best what thing. Else, what else you got left? <laughs> Might as well. But um, so his father's obsessed with it, and some guy, Walter Donovan, approaches Indy and says, "Listen, we got some new clues as to where the Holy Grail might be. We sent an expedition, and the guy who was leading the expedition suddenly went off the map. Can't find him." And Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, is like, "Oh, you're asking the wrong Jones. You got to go ask my dad about this." And they're like, "Well, actually, we did. He was the first guy. Great reveal." Dun, dun, dun. I love the reveal. It's so like he, he walks right into it. It's awesome. Very stereotypical. <clears throat> so 
then he goes and, and basically finds his dad and finds the grail. I mean, there's no what's great about rewatching this. There's no point in this movie where I'm thinking Indiana Jones is not going to succeed. No, you know, he's going to succeed, although and I want to get into this a little bit later. There were some other versions of this script. Oh, lay it on me. Let's not wait. Oh, later right on. Now? Yeah, I want to hear all about them. So drastically different script early on. Um, it was about the Monkey King. The Monkey King. So this King. is like a yeah, the Monkey King. So this was like a Chinese uh, artifact. They were going that gave you everlasting life. So if you ate a pear from the Monkey King's garden, it gave you everlasting life. Um, and Love he starts it. off. He starts off in Africa, and you know, then then he goes uh, to China. And I want to describe to you because this is how fucking terrible this script was. <laughs> the end. I'm being serious. The ending of the movie. That so he he gets to the Monkey Kingdom, the Monkey King's kingdom, his castle, if you will, which is guarded by gorillas. And Obviously. When I'm reading this, I instantly go to Congo. Oh right, hundred percent. Right? Th- these are the type of gorillas that I have envisioning that are about to whoop some ass. Yeah. And there's a scene uh, in which. Indiana Jones is riding a rhinoceros. Love it. Picking off with the rhinoceros' horns these go- these gorillas. At another point, and it, the Nazis are still involved. At another point, even wait, hang on. The Nazis are in China. Yes, yes, oh, because they they still want everlasting God. life. They want everlasting life. So, at another point, the gorillas who I don't know how they communicate. They are now on Team Indy. Sign language, obviously. Sign, sign language, you're right. They're now on Team Indy. And during the final... I mean, <laughs> they, they they really respected the rhino charging and were like, this guy's got it. Got what it takes. The final scene has the gorillas overtaking and controlling a tank. They have entered into the tank. They are driving the, the Nazis. See, here's the thing. I was not on board with this until that point. <laughs> Now I need to see this in live action. Uh, that's that's an incredible. Um, is that is that a plot of Indy Five? Oh, I really man. hope so. And that's the new one. Um, but but what you do see from that though is that they re- obviously rewrote that, but they did keep two elements. Instead of Monkey King pears, they made it the Holy Grail because they wanted to one of the Nazis. They still want everlasting life. <laughs> like, how um, can we make this more Catholic? Yeah. <laughs> Those white people love to go to that movie. We need, <laughs> we need, we need more of that. Um, but so I mean, that's what they kind of kept with, and then also that story did involve Indy's dad. Uh, so they kept, they kind of merged some of those elements to uh, to All give right. you the Last Crusade. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing about this film is. I, I enjoyed watching him get into all these little, you know, different. Uh, how do I get out of this? You know, I'm tied up and how do I, how do I figure this out type scenarios? But at no point did I think he was really at any kind of threat. Uh, I, Harrison Ford did do almost all of his own stunts in this film, which are, I mean, there's some pretty serious stunts. I, I think the, the biggest one obviously being when he's getting dragged along by the tank. Um, but that was impressive. Harrison Ford also was the, the heart behind hiring a, a River Phoenix. They were in a movie together prior to this. River Phoenix sadly passes away you know, about five years after this. Um, Joaquin Phoenix's brother. Um, I mean, I, I'll just I'll say what everybody else is thinking. Kind of 
kind of wish they would have swapped. But so, <laughs> if, if um if you could pick which Phoenix would go, which one would you have gone with? You know, this this honestly, this is like a highly philosophical debate right now. Um, I'm gonna lose some some street cred, if you will. This like gets back to like the Tupac and Biggie, and like how good they were. I'm not. Let's just go East Coast West Coast for a second. I think part part of what made Biggie and his legacy so long lasting is a short sampling. He didn't have enough time oh. to make. He didn't have enough time to make bad albums. Okay. All right. Right. So you, 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 if you make two good albums, that's what you you know are judged by. That third album could have been a fucking bomb. And so in a lot of ways, it's the same with River Phoenix. That, he could have went on to make bad movies. We judge him on the sample size. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Here's you know, you look at a movie like this. His best friend was Keanu Reeves, who can do no wrong. So, I mean, I think that's the argument as to why River Phoenix would have been amazing. Just amazing by association. So you are like, you want Joaquin dead. I mean, he's a, he, I think he ruins movies with, with few exceptions, with few exceptions, but for the most part, he ruins movies. He's the Mark Wahlberg of movies. He ruins Holy them. shit. This yeah. is some cold-blooded savagery right now. I mean, listen, it's the final episode. You're going to get the truth now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about getting more fans. <laughs> well, we were going to try to book them. We were going to try to book them next season, but I guess at this point, it doesn't really matter. Um, I love so obviously everybody knows Indiana Jones. Um, the name Indiana comes from George Lucas's dog. I love them playing that into this whole you know storyline. Uh, Harrison Ford, his character is Indiana Jones. Sean Connery keeps calling him Junior the whole movie, and Sean Connery's character is Professor Henry Jones. So finally, in the final scene, we get the you know why is he calling you Junior? Well, because that's his name. He's Henry Jones Junior. Like I thought your name was Indiana. And then Sean Connery says a legendary line. Go ahead. That's the dog's name. We we named the dog Indiana. Whatever. What do you mean whatever? That's a, that's a classic cinematic line right there. No? no. No. I mean no. You're crazy. You're <laughs> crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Indiana Jones trademark hat, jacket, and whip currently reside in the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. I mean, it is literally American history. What what can be said more about this film? What's your favorite scene? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I my favorite scene in the movie. I, I will, and maybe it's a bit prolonged, but I will go the see rise at the castle. To the escape and motorcycle chase thereafter. I, I truly, I, I love how they break into the castle, which is like him doing an Irish uh, it's great. You know, accent. You know, where are the tapestries? I caught the um, nipples. Right, right. And then it's the first meeting with the dad. Yeah. And there's a great witty banner banter there, right? And then it's the whole, we're tied up. There's some sexual tension because uh, 
your girl Duty has hooked up with both Joneses, right? <laughs> Which is, it, I'm they, glad they didn't go further into that because that was a little cringy, but they they only touch on it. They don't like get too descriptive. But you know, you, you know, you know, yeah. you know, pipe, there. you know, pipe was laid for sure. Um, and then you have the breakout scene, right? So they're hand, you know, they're tied up. Stupid, you know, library. Uh, Sean Connery, you know, can't light the thing on fire and he <laughs> drops it. Huge fire now. Just great, great banter back and forth. Great escape. Uh, that's I think that's the my favorite scene. I, I, I'm going to go with the second smaller favorite scene, too, which is when Brody is lost um, in like Mary Kesha, wherever he is, you know, he's like, does anyone speak English? You know, <laughs> and then he's so stupid. Like he walks right into the two Germans, you you know, and the guy's like, run. He's like, oh, what am I supposed to do right now? Run. <laughs> Just a classic stupid. This is, yeah. All around classic scenes. Um, I love there's a part where um, Indiana Jones's father escaping from the Zeppelin and Indy. His father says, I didn't know you could fly. And then he says, fly, yes, land, no. Which I thought was great watching it now because Harrison Ford has had two plane crashes. Which I was like, apparently he can't land. That was a, was a good foreshadowing. Uh, Sean Connery was actually only 12 years older than Harrison Ford during this film. So that just goes to show you how old Harrison Ford is now. That is why Sean Connery's age. It shows you how bad people age sean connery looks like he's 107 he's like the more he's a very morgan freeman-ish kind of person well they they were dying his beard um during the film in order to make him look older because obviously the, the age was so close one thing i did like though is obviously there's this glaring scene at the end where harrison ford indiana jones picks the correct grail and i mean you're talking a sea of grails there's got to be close to 30 or 40 grails there how does he pick the right one throwaway scene in the beginning of the film uh, in uh, Henry Sr.'s house near the start of the film there's a painting on the wall of the knight holding a grail the grail shown looks remarkably similar to the false grail chosen by Elsa at the end of the film ooh did not know that so that was a setup which I thought only played into more of why it was difficult for him to spot the real one you know having been raised with this picture it might have been stuck in his head but Regardless, um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, is there is there anything more to say? Great film. Let's uh, let's get into the three questions, and uh, we can figure this out together whether or not it was a great film. Okay, let's do it. Right here we go. So the three questions, um, the crackpot team that came up with a couple different from last season. Let's start with question number one: Does the progress and rhythm of the movie fit? One hundred percent. I think when you think about movies, you know, especially when we're kind of analyzing it uh, a bit more than maybe the first time we saw something, you think about pace. You think about what would you change. You think about some of those kind of details. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's anything I'm changing from uh, the speed of the film to the, you know, action sequences. I think that the pacing is great. There's actually 
six different chase scenes in this movie. You have uh, a, a train, a boat, a motorcycle, a, a plane, a car, and a foot chase, I believe. So, you know, there's there's these scenes, you know, these action scenes woven in, you know, between this very witty dialogue and these great relationships. Um, so, yeah, it, it's perfect in, in every way for me. Yeah, I mean, well said. I think the progress of this film, I think, is really what adds to it being so amazing. Um, like you said, there's a lot of chase scenes, but it doesn't feel overly crammed with chase scenes. There's some slow scenes where they kind of try to plot develop, but those don't last very long either. They do a great job of plot developing during action sequences or you know, maybe more suspenseful sequences. And it, it keeps you locked in the whole time. The witty banter back and forth makes you not want to miss any of the dialogue even when there isn't something necessary to watch on the screen. So I, I think you, you hit it right on the head. I think the progress and the rhythm fit perfectly. Yeah, no, but uh, you, bring up a great, you bring up a great point. And that's like, even during those action scenes, there is good dialogue still happening. You're still, right. they're, they're developing, you know, that, that relationship between junior and seniors developing during action scenes in, in a lot of ways where, you know, in movies you might not see that because it's just all about the action and how can we raise the stakes and make right. it cooler and the bigger explosions. Yeah, Michael Bay, you know. Yep. Uh, question number two. What, if any, part of the film speaks to you and why? Um, I think the part that speaks to me uh, would be the desire for something. Right. I think this entire movie really is in a lot of ways about motivation. Right. You know, the uh, Donovan. Right. The guy that kind of is the the producer or the funder of this entire excursion. Right. Mm -hmm. Sells his sells his soul quite literally um, teams with the Nazis. He's the first guy to sip out of the cup. Um, he's doing this because he wants to live forever. Right. Um, Indy's motivation is really to rescue his dad. Um, and then, you know, as it progresses, it's to stop the Nazis from getting from getting the grail. Um, you know, Duty's favorite character, you know, her, her motivation is like while she is a Nazi and, you know, she's on this team, she also does believe in the art, the the, uh, you know, archaeological aspects of this a little bit. Right. Uh, so, you know, for me. I um, respect the passion to, you know, go all in for something that you want. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that, you know, something, that, you know, we, we don't do well enough anymore is go all in for what you what you believe in and what you're passionate about. Yeah. You know, we got a whole bunch of bull crap in our lives, you know, stopping us from doing the thing that, you know, the things that make us happy. We're doing other shit to pay the bills. Yeah, uh, not well said. Happy. Well said. Um, as far as what speaks to me, I mean, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Indiana Jones as a character, and and what draws me to him is probably kind of what you touched on his his drive. He wants he wants these artifacts to be a museum so that everybody can enjoy them, and we as humans uh, as a human race can learn from them and grow as as you know society. And he will stop at nothing to do that. His passion to make that happen is immense. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching the adventures he was going on, which is why I loved this film and the other ones. So the last one, and we kind of already touched on this a little bit, 
what is the most important sequence in the movie? The most important sequence. Uh, I don't know if it's the most important, but what I'll say is that I think it's the the funnest. I think it's, you know, a, a great way to end a movie. And that's kind of the entire um, last, you know, 20 minutes. They essentially have been captured by the Nazis, right? They are, they are at, uh, you know, the site and they're going through these um, challenges, if you will, in order to get to the grail. What I like about it is it is the climax, but it's a really slow climax, right? All of the action really has, has occurred at this point. And now it's like, can Indy overcome these three challenges? You know, doing he, he's got to do a somersault. Uh, then you have to walk across, you know, <laughs> you have to walk across uh, a bridge um, kind of deal. And then it's like the selection of the cup. And it's slow, but you don't lose interest in anything, right? Um, so I think that's a really just powerful kind of scene for the last climax, which is, I think, counter to a lot of other climaxes, which are all about the action. Even with, even when, uh, you know, Sean Connery gets shot, you know, mm -hmm. kind of deal. Um, I think it's just a good, good ending. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot can be said for that scene. To be honest with you, I struggle with this question. Um, even in the past, a lot of times I'll pick scenes where I think you know, might hinge on creating the plot in the movie, typically early on or whatever. But for a movie like this that I think, um, like we touched on, is just good all around, it's hard to find the most important sequence. Um, I think if I had to pick, I, I really like the sequence in the library in the beginning. You know, everything from finding the tomb to the boat chase. And it's it, that seems very important to me because it sets up kind of how this adventure is going to be this is this is the level of action you're going to get you know stepping off the plane in italy so um it really kind of sets the tone for the rest of the adventure that we're on so i, I really like that um but listen three questions down for the last time uh on this film indiana jones and the last crusade on a scale of one to ten one being horrible and ten being a masterpiece what do you rate this film Nine and a half. I think it's it's tough to give anything a ten, but um, I think it hits on everything that I want in a movie. I, and the other thing I'll say for me that really makes this, you know, a bit more special is the timelessness of it. Right, you know. I'll, another Steven Spielberg movie is Goonies, right? I can watch Goonies a thousand times and I can watch it with my daughter or my mom or or a stranger. And we're going to get enjoyment and be able to kind of bond over it, right? And is, this movie is no different. Um, it's obviously longer than the Goonies, but it's just a perfect, fun family movie that you can watch with anybody. Um, and it has everything that you want in, in a good movie, I think. I think we need to talk about you bringing um, homeless people back to your house to watch movies. But that, I, that, that, I'm starting a podcast on that. <laughs> that is That's a great idea. Um, so, so I want to slow down. Mm -hmm. 
Did I ever tell you about this TV show idea that I had? You did not, but I love when we have these conversations. Go ahead. Did you want? Are you sure you want to say this publicly? Yeah, I do. I do. Because if it gets any traction, I want that traceability back to me. I wanted a TV show similar to The Apprentice, but it's where we take ten homeless people off the streets. It's a very like like. Remember trading places with with Dan Aykroyd at Ned yeah. Murphy? It's very similar to that. We no, but here's the thing: you like put, we, you put them in a boardroom and you make them compete for like a no, high no, profile it won't be, job. It won't, be, it won't be craziness, but it, I want it to be like one of these emotional, heartstring TV shows where we are, you know, taking these ten people, and obviously we don't want the head cases. We don't want the men. Like I want the substance abusers. <laughs> like I, I the, the the normal homeless. Like oh, they fell in hard. Like I need the fell in hard times. Right. Right. Like, you know, I'm I'm living in my car. I need not I need the, help. Not to believe in aliens, homeless. Right, right. No, no, I need them. I I need people that will make this TV show good. And so you put them through like a series of things, and each week one of them gets fired, put down. But killed, the, right. <laughs> but the other ones keep progressing, right? In the end, you know, they kind of get this great, amazing job opportunity to go change their life. Here's what I will say about that: I don't think you run the risk of anybody stealing that idea. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what that does remind me though do you remember this is a very 90s thing do you remember bum fights oh oh what i don't know what website do I, how do we even before youtube how do we get these things <laughs> yeah i know i love a bum fight some guy um if you can imagine jackass with no morals they would he'd go around in different cities and he would pay homeless people to fight and then it turned into like other you know pay homeless people to do other crazy stuff and he put it out like a DVD. You had to like order online. That's how it was. Yeah, DVD, yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on to everybody's favorite game, Guess That Tomato. Okay, let's do it. Music. Musical interlude. So something a little different about season three is uh, I'm going to let you make your guess as to what the score is on Rotten Tomatoes for the fans. But I'm also going to give you uh, two hints, the critic score, and I'm going to give you three movies that are within 2% of this movie score. Um, this, These three movies are going to be in the categories of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's start with your guess, Alec. The final guess on Gutsy Media Podcast, what is your guess for Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade? 87. 87. Okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the critic score, 88. Oh, shit. What? Oh, shit. And now your three movie clues. The Good, Memento, Christopher Nolan's breakout hit, a movie told in reverse about a man with short-term memory problems, a movie that is unlike anything that you have seen before, and a movie that would birth one of the greatest directors of our lifetime. Movie number two, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Holy shit. It's a bad movie because you probably only watched it once. That's the Watch problem. it again. <laughs> then watch it again. Then watch it again. And by the eighth or ninth time, your brain begins to melt. And you really start to appreciate it for what it is. A truly bizarre masterpiece. And lastly, the ugly Icarus, the Russian doping documentary. It's an ugly look 
at a very disturbing series of events that led to the reveal of the state-sponsored doping practice in Russia that has been going on since the Cold War. It's on Netflix, and it's worth the watch. So with those clues, Alec, your guess was an 87. Do you want to change your guess? Okay, so let's let's slow this down a bit. You specifically chose 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> you could have chose a thousand other movies. You chose that. For your viewers that may not know me, uh, that's in my top two favorite movies of all time. And like you mentioned, you have to watch it 36 times before you enjoy it the first time. So I had the uh, honor of watching that for the first time with you. Um, I'll have you know, I also chose Memento for you specifically because I watched that with you for the first time ever. I I need you back in my life. Listen, <laughs> well, we, I'm being serious. I think about this all the time. Let's just leave our wives and, and move <laughs> in together. Let's, ju- let's just do it. Wait, hang on. I gotta, you have to convince me more. <laughs> uh, your guess, 87. Do you want to change it? There's a lot of stress right now. I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm going to stick to my guns. I think I think it needs to be an 89 or a 91, but I'm sticking to 87. Sticking with 87. The actual answer is... Ninety-four. Ah, I knew it. Ninety-four. You gave it a nine point five. I thought you were gonna nail this. Ninety-four. Right. This is, yo, ninety-four is a high score. Indiana Jones: Last Crusade is a great movie, and I mean, you could have picked a better one to end the podcast with. Alec, you're my first guest. You're my last guest. I've had a wild ride doing this show. Started pretty early on in the pandemic, and I'm hoping that my exit means the pandemic is slowly over. But before I let you go. Before I sign off for the final time, I've got to end this podcast as I've ended most of my other podcasts. And that's by saying it's a firm belief of the owners that don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it may not be movies and comic books, maybe it's stopping Nazis and finding only Christian artifacts. So I've got to ask you, what is it you're geeking out on right now? soccer it you know uh, against your uh, pop culture references i'm all in on soccer uh the lamest of all sports but uh i'm truly i'm truly geeking up but we're not ending quite yet by the way okay i i have some questions for you i love it i love it i'm so, all about it so this is obviously as you have, have said you're planned last podcast correct and so i only thought it fitting that i ask you a few questions about your experiences for the last three seasons um and you know 47 total episodes so just some very basic fun ones love it all right Musical interlude. Do we have to do anything? Is there some sort of? I mean, we can, you know, beatbox. Okay. What has been your favorite episode that you recall during these last three seasons? Great question. Um, I've had some good ones. Um, You know, 
I, I try not to pick a favorite guests because I think it really depends on, you know, the movie they pick and, you know, how they're feeling that day. So I've got to base it off of like the movie and just overall good conversation. Um, I think me and Matt had a great episode uh, in season one. Uh, man, that's tough. That's really tough. I really like the live shows because um, you get the, the feedback from the fans and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess I'll go with uh, I'll go with the the live show I did with Casey. That was a good one. Okay, good. What, um, what movie throughout the course of this uh, ha- has your opinion changed of? Ha- have you, in your research, like, you know, I, you probably have seen the majority oh, yeah. of the movies more than once, right? So w- was there, like, a time when you were like, oh, snap, I'm realizing and seeing new things that have made this film better or worse, what what movie changed the most? Do you think for, for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, so I, I've actually mentioned it a couple times on the podcast that doing the research really has an influence on me as to whether or not I like the movie. I think, you know, as, as a movie fan, um, the entertainment part of it is only is only part of it, right? Like doing the research and finding out what went into the movie and how it got made and the passion behind it and you know stuff like that really kind of enhances the experience for me at least. So there was definitely quite a few movies that I think you know, maybe after watching, I I thought was okay. And then doing the research, I really, you know, really grew on me. Um, and honestly, I can't, none of them are coming to mind right now. So I, I'm sorry I'm put on the spot, but there was definitely, there's definitely been a few for sure. I think the biggest one that, that comes to mind, would, I get Seven Samurai. Um, again, only because we just did that one. So knowing the backstory behind that, you know, a, a foreign film that was over three hours black and white i didn't think i was gonna like it at all and then doing the research you really get to know you know about the movie and how much it influenced hollywood and had such a a huge impact on the movies we enjoy today so so that one probably changed a lot during the research there could be a listener right now that will say the same thing about your podcast in 20 years you've changed their mind and you've made them get into movies so your your influence in pop culture could be uh, much larger than you think. I appreciate that, man. That'd be awesome. La- last question for you. Why are you ending? Ooh, that's a good question. So um, honestly, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say, but uh, I got into it because um, the, the pandemic had started found myself just like everybody else trapped inside, you know, with a little extra time and and kind of being bored. So I like talking about movies. I like watching new movies. And and the biggest thing is I think you kind of find yourself watching the same old movies because you don't get out of your rut. So doing the podcast gave me an opportunity to kind of sit down with my friends, talk about movies, which I love to do anyway, but also see some of the movies that, you know, maybe I didn't know about. Like um, I've had so many conversations over the years about movies that I bring up and people are like, oh, I never even heard of that movie. And it was such an influential movie on me. So it's kind of like, how can I find out what other people's influential movies are that maybe I don't know about and uh, give us an opportunity to talk about them. So that's what bred the idea for the podcast. And I started it because it was going to be a lot of fun. And as it went on, the fun was still there, but it became more about editing and getting the episodes out at the right time and, and, you know, doing the research. And some of these movies had an extensive amount of research that went into them. So the amount of time dedicated to all the other stuff became greater than the amount of time dedicated to the fun stuff. And um, 
you know, this is where the cliche comes in. When it when it stops being fun, it's just kind of time to hang it up. So I figured now was a good time to do that. Well, we're going to miss this. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you putting the questions together. That's pretty cool. It caught me off guard. Um, listen, it, who knows what's going to happen in the future? Who knows if the podcast comes back one day, or maybe I just get bored and want to do a one-off episode. Uh, by all means, keep following us on Facebook. Uh, you know, Maybe I'll post things from time to time there. I don't plan on taking down the page. I am going to get rid of the Twitter and Instagram. Um, I just don't use them. And the YouTube will always stay up because it's free, number one. And number two, it'd always be cool to come back and look at the episodes. So um, by all means, YouTube, Facebook, and Letterboxd as well. I've actually uh, started the Letterboxd account with the podcast, and I've kind of enjoyed logging my movies and seeing at the end of the year all the different movies I watched and stuff. So I'll keep those active. Um, Hey, this is it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Alex, so much for being a guest, and I will talk to you guys later.